After having finished, finally, the book of Revelation last Tuesday. <laughs> Pastor Jason, you were gone, so you didn't uh, hear the good news. I am finished. <clears throat> Hearing the music from Blake and Jenna this morning makes me want to say, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, come before I start. Well, friends, we're turning to 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 to 11 this morning, and the title of our message is Practical Christianity. So if you have your Bibles with you, you can open or you can follow along on uh, the screen. I think we have, do we have it on the screen? Maybe not. Okay. Reading uh, from verse 3. This is how we know that we know him if we keep his commands. The one who says, I have come to know him and yet doesn't keep his commands is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly in him the love of God is made complete. And this is how we know that we are in him. The one who says he remains in him should walk just as he walked. Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old command that you have heard from the beginning. The old command is the word that you have heard. Yet I am writing you a new command which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. The one who says he is in the light but hates his brother or sister is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother or sister remains in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother or sister is in the darkness, walks in the darkness, and doesn't know where he is going, because the darkness has blinded his eyes. This is the word of the Lord. <clears throat> You know, Roy Hessian's book entitled Calvary Road wrote in chapter 3 under the title, The Way of Fellowship. They make some comments which I think are helpful regarding the understanding of the truths that we are looking at this morning in 1 John. And this is what he says. When man first fell in the Garden of Eden and chose to make himself rather than God the center of his life, the effect was not only man out of fellowship with God, but also out of fellowship with his fellow man. The story of man's first quarrel with God in Genesis 3 is closely followed in the fourth chapter by the story of man's first quarrel with his fellow man, namely Cain's murder of Abel. Now we live in a world where man does, just does not want his own way against God's way, but his own way against his fellow man's way. Hence, the tensions, the barriers, suspicions, misunderstandings, clashes, conflicts that we experience in our day as human beings. Now, 1 John teaches us that when, as we have learned in chapter 1, our quarrel with God, which is sin, when that is put right, and put right through the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, 
and through the confession of our sin, he is faithful and just because of the atonement that he made at Calvary to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all wrong. And when that happens, and when we intend to obey God's commands, we then as a result will have fellowship with one another as human beings. First John teaches us, and we'll see this morning, that the depth and the reality of man's fellowship with God can be tested on two accounts. One, his obedience to God's command, and two, his fellowship with his fellow man. And the depth of our real spiritual experience can be tested on those two grounds. Whether we're obeying God's word and whether we're living in peace and harmony and love with our brothers and sisters. Now we know already, and we've learned in the past weeks, that this little epistle of 1 John is an epistle about assurance. Now please don't misunderstand what I'm saying this morning. I will not be expounding the word of God to say that you have to obey God's commands in order to be saved. Or that you have to love your brothers and sisters in order to be saved. That's not what 1 John is teaching. It's not teaching how you can be saved. It's rather teaching how you can know that you are saved. What are the signs of our assurance? And the signs of knowing that you are saved is obeying God's commands and loving the brothers and sisters. Very simple. Now I'm wondering, who am I speaking to this morning? Some of you may have had the old age problem of uh, many a child of God lacking assurance. For the first 39 years of my life, I lacked that assurance. I had intellectually known about God but it took 39 years for it to reach 18 inches. That's a long 18 inches. But praise God, it's there. Maybe at one time you were certain that you were saved, and right at the beginning of your journey in life, you had a real joy and a real satisfaction. You had assurance that you were one of God's children. But now things may be different for whatever reason. You may be wondering this morning, how can I know that I am truly saved? Well, that's exactly the question that John is answering in this particular letter. How do we know that we know God? How do we know that we are in fellowship with him? If you lack assurance this morning, here are two tests that we'll be looking at. The moral test and the social test. That's practical Christianity. First of all, we look at the moral test. What is that? Well, we find that in verses 3 through 6. And that's the obedience to the word. Now, this statement is found in verses 4 verse 6 and verse 9, he that says, 
If you've got a pen or a pencil, it may be well to underline those words in those verses. He that says. It's like uh, uh, the three statements that were in chapter one that Pastor Jason uh, referred to. If we say we have fellowship with him. If we say we have uh, not sinned, uh, and so on. Then in verse 6, he says, uh, or in verse 4, what is it that he is saying? John is saying, I know him, we know him, and I am in the light. Now, the frightening thing for us should be that we can say those three things, and of course we all do, who take the name of Christ, we would say, I know him, I abide in him, I'm walking in the light with him. But almost reminiscent of the Lord Jesus, what he says in Matthew 7, not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of God, but only those who obey my word. So, in chapter 2, verse 3, John says, Hereby we know that we know him. And this is the basis for all that he will say up to verse 11. If we keep his commandments. Now he deals with that first he that says in verse 4. He that says, I know him and keep not his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. To say that we have fellowship with God, we know the Lord Jesus Christ, but we don't keep his commands, the truth is not in us. So we have to remember the context of what John was writing. You remember these docetists that Jason talked about earlier. Uh, they were the forerunners of the Gnostics. And uh, they hadn't really been formed into a religious group as such, as yet. But their teachings were in embryo form in the church. And uh, they were contaminating the church. They claimed that they were special elect beings who had a superior knowledge of God. And this word knowledge was very important in their vocabulary. They knew God in a way that the ordinary run-of-the-mill Christian uh, didn't, but they had no interest in keeping God's commands. So, John comes in and he says, those who know him, who keep his word, Verse 5 says, but whoso keeps his word, in him truly is the love of God perfected. That's how we know that we are in him. Now, this is not sinless perfection. It doesn't mean that you and I please him all the time. It doesn't mean that we are perfect. Be patient. God isn't finished with us yet. But even though we do fail the Lord on occasions, yet there is a deep desire which is wrought by the Holy Spirit in our heart to please God. Isn't that right? And secondly, we find in verse 6, not only are we to keep his word, 
but we also are to walk his walk. So he deals with the second, he says. He that says he abides in him ought himself also to walk, even as Jesus walked. Friends, these are very sobering words. Jesus is first and foremost our Savior, but he is also our example. Jesus said in John chapter 13, verse 15, For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. This is when Jesus was washing the disciples' feet. So as I have washed your feet, you are also to wash one another. But we don't often think of Jesus' life as our life's pattern, as a guide to how we ought to live. Now, don't misunderstand me. It's not that we can do what Christ did, performing the mighty miracles that he displayed, but rather to walk as he walked. And that is a more profound thing. Even those who say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not do mighty miracles in your name? Do not walk as he walked? Now, I know there's a, a great debate going on, and there always has been within Christianity, about whether we are people who follow rules or principles, or whether it's just grace. Each generation debates about what are the rules of Christianity. Well, I'm going to give you the one sole rule which all other rules can be measured by. And that is this. Verse 6 says, we are to walk as he walked. Now, of course, we can only walk as he walked if we are walking, living through the Holy Spirit. Because the only life that pleases God is the life of Christ. And we are to die to ourselves, for Christ has put you and me to death on Calvary, so that we are to lie low and allow Jesus to live through us. And it's only then, when we walk as Jesus walked, that we are abiding in him. Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 10, if we keep his commandments, you shall abide in my love even as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. You only abide when you keep his word. It is walking as he walked in a moral sense. So the question is, are you there, my friend? Are you walking with the Lord in a moral sense? There's so much nonsense that's being taught in contemporary Christianity today about what is legitimate. Some are saying, well, I don't need to live like this. I can live as I well please. Because Jesus, I believe, we sang, I believe, but I can do as I want. 
because Jesus will forgive me. Many evangelicals are coming to the conclusion that doctrine really is not all that important. All that matters is that your life and your teaching and your conduct is ruled by love. But we see here in 1 John, that's not the case. Yeah, yes, love is important. And we have to walk as he walked. If we don't, then we ought to doubt the authenticity of our Christian experience, whatever that may be. Now that to me is some very serious stuff. Just think about that for a moment. Apply that to your heart this morning. Secondly, there is the social test. The moral test was obedience to the word. The social test is to love your brother and sister in Christ. And we see this in verses 7 to 11. And here we have the specific commands that we are to obey. There's a great debate. Do we obey the Ten Commandments? Do we obey the Pentateuch? That is the Old Testament books of Genesis to Deuteronomy. Do we obey the Levitical laws and the rituals and ceremonies of the Old Testament? What do we obey? Is it just Christ's law that we obey? Or is it just the epistles? Or the Sermon on the Mount? All of this is discussed. But the Lord is saying that there is one commandment that we ought to obey. That is love. So we read in verse 7, this is not a new commandment. It's an old commandment which you have heard from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard from the beginning. The question is, what is the beginning? Well, in John's gospel, in chapter 1, verse 1, it was creation. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. And the word was God. And nothing was made that was made without Christ, without the Word, okay? So we find that the beginning speaks of Christ when he was incarnated. This is where 1 John comes in, that Jesus was born in the flesh. He came to live among us, and they heard what he said, and they delivered it to the church. But of course, this command to love one another that's not a new command. For we read about it also in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, that we are to love our neighbor. Matthew 22, 37 to 39 says, the law and the prophets are summed up in the command to love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your, your strength. And secondly, to love your neighbor as yourself. Or Jesus says in, Matthew, in John 15, verse 21, a new commandment I give unto you. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Now, why is John belaboring this point? Well, simply because these docetists, these false teachers, were parading their new knowledge as a new revelation. And John comes along and he says, what I have to teach you, it isn't new. 
What I have to teach is the authentic teaching of Jesus Christ when he summed up everything of the law and the prophets and he said, love God with all your heart and your neighbor as yourself. I'm telling you today, in this neo-evangelical charismatic age, you need to be careful of anyone who comes along and says, you know, I've got something new to tell you that's not found in Scripture. We don't need anything new in that sense because we have the old commandment from the beginning. But what John goes on to say in verse 8 is that this old commandment is ever new. And it's a new commandment, and it is true in Christ and in you. And it's that same commandment, love one another. Now the question is, how is it new? Well, I believe what he's talking about is that this is a commandment in the Old Testament to love your neighbor, but Jesus comes upon the scene and he brings a new characteristic to this love and to this command. For in Christ, it is the first time that agape love of God has been perfectly and completely uh, exemplified. And that's why he says in verse 8, this love is perfected in the personification of Christ. This love that was in Christ is meant to be true in John's believers. It's meant to be true in you, in me, in our day. These Ephesians and other Christians in the early church who in heathendom were ruled by passion and hatred and pride by the grace of God have now been changed, have been transformed in displaying in their life a new commandment that was never seen in this light before. They are loving one another when at once they were hating each other. And through these conversions of pagans, the darkness, the natural darkness that we've all been born into, which is enmity with God and being at odds with one another as human beings. That's what John is saying. When people are converted and show love toward one another, then the true light is already shining within us. The question is, do you have that love? Is there something that marks you as a Christian and is it your love for brothers and sisters in Christ and other people around the world? That is the test. It's not just all about obeying God's commands coldly in a matter of fact way, but it's about having a love that is like the love of Jesus which will never fade or fail. Maybe you're saying this morning, well, Pastor Ken, what in the world is this true love? Well, John gives us a definition in verses 9 to 11. And he contrasts the two loves, the true love and the false. In verse 9, he says, he that says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness even until now. In other words, it, it doesn't matter. You know, talk is cheap. If you profess with your mouth that you know Christ and you walk in the light and yet hate your brother or sister, that's a sure sign that one is still in darkness, 
even until now. Literally, that statement means that the person who continues to be what he has always been, namely being unregenerate, unconverted, without the life of God in his being, is cut off from God. So hatred is a sign of, or a characteristic of natural darkness. Now to show what this true love is in contrast to false love, he tells us in verse 10, he that loves his brother abides in the light and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. No cause for stumbling. That could mean two things. It could mean that he doesn't stumble himself and believe that is the, I believe that's the true sense of this verse. If you believe that the truth about who Christ is and you've passed the test and you believe the true gospel and you have trusted Christ's blood and confessed your sins, he has cleansed you and you have passed the moral test. You're obedient to God's word and though you fail from time to time, there is within your heart a habitual desire to please Christ. And then you have passed the social test. If you're loving your brother, even though he offends you from time to time, and there's no less chance of them stumbling into sin and backsliding than another person who fails those tests. The second meaning of there is no cause of stumbling in him could be that he will not be a cause of others stumbling. If you're teaching the right truths about Christ, you're not going to lead somebody astray. If you're living by God's commands yourself, you're not going to be, um, you're not going to be stumbling uh, a block for others, no matter who they are or how unlikable they may be at times, if you love your brother, you will win him to Christ. One of the greatest hindrances of people coming to Christ in this day is people who claim to be Christian but don't live up to the name. If you take the name of Christ and yet you hate your brother and sister, then you're in darkness and you're not saved. But verse 11 says, you know not whether you go or come because darkness has blinded your eyes. So hating another leads to more and more darkness. So we have looked at these two tests. What is authentic Christianity? Obeying God's command and loving your brothers and sisters. Let's pray. Lord, this is our prayer. We can put it in no better words other than that you would make the mind of Christ our Savior live in us from day to day. Live in us by his love and his power, controlling all that we do and say. Lord, make us like the Lord Jesus. We pray for nothing else. Nothing else will satisfy our soul or bring revival to our churches or bring an awakening to our world other than being like Jesus. We pray this in your holy and precious name. Amen.